Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. Genesis 41.1. Let's go. 41.1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. Okay, so you're going to see, we're not going to have to do a lot of interpretation going through here. This is going to be very self-explanatory what's going on. So I'm going to read it down. Seven is the biblical number for completion, perfection. We're seeing that Pharaoh's having these dreams. We're going to see Joseph brought into it. We're going to see the uh, other people that Joseph, who Joseph had interpreted their dreams. One of them comes back to it. Of course, we talked about one of the other ones that had already been killed. So here we go. That's his first dream. Then it says he slept and dreamed a second time. Now, two, the number two, biblically, represents witness. And you'll see a couple chapters ago in Genesis that Joseph, when he was telling his dream to his brothers and his father, he also had two dreams. So it's basically saying, this is from God. Now, that's not to say if I have a dream twice, it's from God. We're going back in time, and these prophecies actually came to pass, right? My dreams are just garbled junk that just is in my subconscious or whatever, floating around in my mind, and it's just firing on all cylinders when I sleep, and it's just crazy stuff, right? It's not uh, prophetic. This is prophetic. And so it says, so Pharaoh awoke, he slept and dreamed a second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them, and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. So we see that word magicians, right? It's, it's people who are using things not of God to fool people, to lure people, false teachers, false prophecy, etc., and sometimes they can do pretty cool things. Now, today our magicians, it, it looks like it's magic, but it's actually just sleight of hand, right? It's something that the eye can't quite see because it's done um, so quickly or smoothly that the, the eye is just tricked into believing that something is happening that it is not. And so he's calling on these people, and they can't help him. So he's in, he's in a bind. He's like, who's going to interpret this for me? Verse 9, then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. All right, so the chief butler, who's around Pharaoh, remember he's the one who is tasting 
the drink and the food for the pharaoh to make sure he's not being poisoned because if he dies then it indicates that there's poison in the drink and food and so pharaoh would not drink of it and if he didn't die then it was safe to drink and eat and remember this guy was like hey when i get out i'm going to remember you and i'm going to say good things to the pharaoh about you because i'm around the pharaoh and maybe it'll help you get out of prison and remember that Joseph had interpreted the two dreams. One said, basically, you're going to re- be restored to your position. And to the baker, he said, you're going to be hung. You're going to be killed in three days. And both of them came to pass. Very prophetic, right? So the chief butler's like, whoa, Pharaoh, you, you got to get a hold of this guy. And verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. And he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Well, this is kind of interesting because back in those days, the Jewish people didn't shave, and the Egyptians shaved a lot, right? You look back and see a lot of the pictures, and they often didn't have any facial hair or hair on their head, though sometimes they had a, a, just a piece of a, a hair on their, as facial hair, kind of as a sign of uh, dignity or power, and sometimes it was actual hair, and sometimes it was fake hair. Um, but interesting that he shaved and he was like, all right, I, I better look my best. Maybe like someone's going to court or something who never wears a suit, right? They're always wearing a tank top or just shorts or whatever. Um, doesn't mean they're sloppy. just means it's just maybe a little bit different. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to see this guy. I better be you know, dressed to my best. So he wanted to kind of fit in, shaved, changed his clothing and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. 16, so Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So Joseph's not claiming the power. He is not trying to take credit. And this is what all of us should do, right? The application here is, if anybody tries to say, You're fantastic. You're brilliant. You're smart. You're funny. You're very hospitable. You're very giving. Right, we could very easily say, Haha, that's me. Thank you. Yes, put my name on that building. Yes, put my name in lights. Yes, talk about me on social media and, and do an interview with me on TV to get the glory for ourselves. But that's not what God wants us to do. God did not create us to worship ourselves, to glorify ourselves. He created us to glorify Him, to worship Him. That's actually how we get fueled. As we glorify God, we have more peace and joy in our lives. Now, there may be persecution. There may be earthly consequences for standing up for the truth, for being bold and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But with that comes peace and joy. But don't confuse joy with happiness. Right? Your circumstances may make you happy at times, but they may be sinful and not doing what God wants you to do. Joy is lasting. It's from God. And the devil's going to keep trying to get into you, and he's going to try to make you sad, depressed, and even times happy, because he's going to be like, you do the sinful thing, you're going to feel happy for a moment, even though it's going to go away, and it's going to be replaced by sadness, depression, anger, something. God wants us to be joyful. So, anyways, he is giving credit to God, which is what we should all do with whatever gift you have been gifted with, whether that's the ability to make money, whether it's the ability to make people laugh, whether it's you're hospitable, you're, you're a teacher, you're a discerner, whatever it is, you know, 
gift that you see clearly explained in the Bible or just something you feel God has given you and you're good at and it's you know you can use it to glorify God it could even be comedy right whatever it is that uh, you're able to point back to God and not give credit to yourself and that's exactly what Joseph is doing here 17 then Pharaoh said to Joseph behold he repeats it in my dream I stood on the bank of the river suddenly seven cows came up out of the river fine looking and fat and they fed in the meadow then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, then eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up. On one stalk, full and good, then behold, seven heads withered thin and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I told this to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years, and seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is a thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice, because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Okay, so this is prophecy of seven years of famine, of, of great, of plenty, which would come, and then seven years of famine, which would follow. Great times followed by horrible times. We can look at this in a couple of ways. One, it's prophecy. We'll see that it was prophesied before it happened. It actually came to pass. That's one more piece of evidence for the truth, validity, and accuracy of the Bible. There's not a single prof false prophecy in the Bible. right? We know from the Bible, if a prophet prophesies something and it fails, then it's a false prophet. And if we see that in the Bible then we don't have any reason to trust the Bible. But there is not a single failed prophecy in the Bible. They have all been fulfilled accurately, or there are a few left that are going to be fulfilled, but none which have failed. We're also going to see that God uses this plentiful situation followed by the, uh, the tough situation, the severe situation, the to bring Joseph's family to him. And remember, we have said that Joseph is a type of Christ, right? He's a picture of the future Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. And while Joseph was rejected by his brothers, went through all these tough times, people just kind of beat him up, threw him around, threw him in prison, etc. Same with Joseph. He was rejected by the people that he actually built to be the light of the world, Israel. The Jewish people, and they rejected him. They're the ones who essentially killed him. They're the ones who beat him up and made fun of him and mocked him. And we're also going to see that this is a picture of the tribulation, the seven years, right? 
how many years is the tribulation going to be? It's going to be seven years, right? Right now we're in the church age. Then we're going to have the rapture. Then there's going to be the signing of the uh, peace treaty with between the Antichrist and Israel. And then we're going to have the tribulation for seven years, followed by a 1,000-year millennial kingdom, followed by the eternal kingdom, which is eternal. The seven-year tribulation, this is uh, symbolic of that which is going to become come. And it is going to be awful. But fortunately, if you are a believer in Christ, you will not be here for that. You will have either passed away, you know, taken your last breath on earth and gone to heaven, or you will have been raptured. You won't be here for that. During that seven-year tribulation, some people will come to Christ. Many will pe people will come to Christ. The majority still will not, but many people will. So, we will pick up in verse 333 to tomorrow. The application for today is to understand that prophecy in the Bible is amazing. You can go back, you can study it, you can look at archaeological evidence, you can see that prophecy has been fulfilled accurately. There's not a single prophet, false prophecy in the Bible. There's some prophecy that is still yet to be fulfilled, and it will be fulfilled as time marches on. And uh, that is evidence for the accuracy and the validity of the Bible. Lord, thank you so much. Help us to study your word, to have a desire. Give us that heart to want to open up your word, to study it, to read it, to become more knowledgeable and wise about you and your ways and be more conformed to your character, and also so that we can use that to go and tell people about you, to feel confident in that, to be bold in that. And even if we go and witness to someone that doesn't, you know, they ask a question we just don't know the answer to, Help us know it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that. Let me research it and get back to you. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for your incredible love letter, the Bible. Help us to read it and digest it well so that we can look more and more like you. Amen. This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.